um, just before we get into our main discussion or discussions for tonight, I thought to for us to just share anyone that might, one or two people that might want to share something from the last couple of weeks, an experience, an encounter, a testimony, a joke, whatever it could be or whatever that could look like. We'll be happy to, to get to know one another on that level and then get into tonight's conversation. Anyone, before I volunteer in any? Since we're all in Good Friday quiet mode <laughs> today. Anything can build. Um, Pastor, can you hear me? Yes, oh. I can. Maybe you should try from Neto's device, yeah? Yeah, I'm, use, I'm gonna use Neto's one now. Okay, that's better. The interference is... Good evening. Did you say good morning? I say happy Good Friday, everybody. Ah, all right. Wishing you the same. It's good to see your face. So for me, uh, it's the uh, what's it called? The class or the meeting for two weeks ago. That mm -hmm. two, two meetings ago, when we talked about parenthood, has actually oh, okay. touched. Yeah, when everyone shared about some of the sacrifices mm. some of the sacrifices our parents uh yes. asked to mm. do. Mm. it's kind of parents being diligent in terms of praying for them and uh, uh and always praying every night and all that so sometimes i i just want to sleep and then i'm like oh let me just start doing something like that. Mm -hmm. Then I see how difficult it is, you know? And then I just begin to appreciate, you know, some of the things that they've done, you know, most of my parents come across them, you know, some of the things I've done. And it's something that, it's, it's just one sacrifice that, you know, I would, uh, that has really, really challenged me as well, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, signing the gap for the children, especially in that, those odd hours when they come back from mm -hmm. work and they're very tired and all that. But yeah, some of them have to, have to stand up to do what they need to do. Mm. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, the conversation from that episode or that particular meeting is on the podcast. So for those that might that might not have been around two meetings ago, that's almost a month ago. Um, you can catch up on the recording for that session. It was a really really inspiring session, and I loved many of those virtues that we pointed out as well. Lots of things to, to pick one or two things to develop personally from, the, from those things. So thank you. Um, Sister Nyenka, thanks for the details um, on the chat thread. That's for a 12 hour worship service starting shortly somewhere in the United States. So feel free to join in with the details. Um, I will work out when 7 p.m. EST would be in UK slash Nigerian time. And as of the moment, UK and Nigeria are on the same time time zone, so to speak. Okay, any other person wants to share something from the last couple of weeks or, or you could do like Kingsley and extend it even to the last 
one month plus. Okay, I'll speak out. It's been a, the second person that I said they're not hearing me loudly. Um, <clears throat> is my voice better now? <laughs> is it any better, Damola? It's been clear, yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, but I, they said yes, so that means I would, I'll continue to raise my volume <laughs> in terms of Sister Inka. Okay, um, I think we should just get into tonight's um, discussion. So first and foremost, there was a question from our last meeting. Okay, let me just recap a bit, back up and recap um, after saying a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together on this day, on Good Friday, um, the day when the day what wasn't supposed to be good turned out to be eternally good for all humanity, for as many as they that will lay hold on it. We just want to say we genuinely appreciate and do not take for granted those six hours one Friday evening, almost 2,000 years ago. And we thank you because the significance of that evening still speaks and we are living witnesses to it. We're asking that all that your death, burial, and resurrection stands for, and all that it signifies, will find expression in our lives. And as we've gathered here tonight um, for the different things and different purposes that we hope to touch as you will and as you guide and lead us, we ask for your presence, we ask for your wisdom, we ask for your grace that at the end of this meeting, we can all be edified and be thankful that we were a part of it. To you be all the glory in Christ Jesus' unfailing name I've prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you again, everyone, for joining. You're welcome, Dylan and others that joined while I was praying. Um, okay, so to kind of recap, Last, last meeting, we spelled out the fact that this month, we actually just want to focus on resources. And last meeting, we shared lots of resources that we are in, engaging with individually. Maybe that is in terms of books or podcasts or softwares and mobile apps and productivity hacks and practices and things like that, habits that we're forming individually and the reason why we did that then and which is still why we continue to talk about it is we are hoping we don't intend that everybody would then learn from everyone's contribution and begin to replicate or do what everyone is doing but just so that you 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 broaden your horizon i'm very sure that some of us had some resources that we would never have thought about or researched about or heard about any other way than because we pulled those resources together from our various contributions. And between then and now, I know for sure that at least my wife that I live with, the only mass youth group member that I, that I get to see up close and personal is my wife and myself. <laughs> but I know that my wife has engaged with some of those resources. I myself, I 
found myself watching some Monzayan movies and laughing my my head in and, <laughs> and having some good time um, one of those nights. So I mean it's it's been very good. Um, so thank you again for that. But one of the things that rolled off from last meeting uh, was a direct question that Kingsley asked. And thank God Kingsley is here as well tonight. And that has to do with um, <clears throat> using Bible software. Um, I think it came in direct reference to um, the use of interlinear uh, um, Bibles, which basically means like when you have a Bible that you can get to see the Greek word and the Hebrew word as the case may be, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew in the original manuscripts. The New Testament is written largely in Greek and some parts of it in Aramaic um, in the original manuscripts. And so sometimes if you want to like go beyond what you're reading in English to dig deeper into what exactly is the original word here and there and things like that, how do you do that? And there are lots of softwares that can help you to do that and mobile apps as well. Um, and we promise that we're going to kind of show what that could look like, um, albeit briefly um, in this meeting. After we do that, and I hope to be done with that in a few minutes, five, 10 minutes, we can ask questions if we have. We then want to spotlight a conversation that some of us would have heard about, some of us may not have heard about, and that's okay. Um, but we'll give it a bit of context we get into that. Hence the tag on the flyer about um, domestic abuse or domestic violence um, and just looking at a particular case study that seemed to have bombarded the social media space for some of us, um, just to, to, to kind of pick our brains on what we are thinking about that and then see what message God could say to us personally in our individual contexts and corporately as a body of young people that still have more days to live by God's grace than the ones we have lived. Um, so yeah, that's those are the two major things. But of course, from our answers, other things can come in, but we hope to be done in an hour, 30 minutes thereabouts from, um, of course, to, help ourselves to hear ourselves. If you are not making a contribution at the moment, it's good to stay muted. It helps um, the conversation to flow a little bit um, better. Okay, so I'll quickly start from Kingsley's question. I promised I was gonna share my screen and we can talk about that um, quite briefly. So let's quickly do that and kind of put an unquote take that out of the way, but feel free to stop me as I'm talking, feel free to ask questions um, at any point if I'm going too fast or too slow. Um, ideally, I would have, what, what Kingsley was asking for, the normal, the, the default software that I would personally use for that is called ESORD, and ESORD is, is not on the computer I'm using at the moment. Um, but you need to have um, a computer, a PC to use eSword. There is a phone equivalent called MySword, my S-W-O-R-D, MySword, one word. And I'm not sure if it's on Google Play, but there's actually a website where you can download it. Just like there's a website where you can download eSword as well. I might put the link um, in the chat later on. So I would have, I mean, it's easier 
for me personally to do this on eSword. eSword is basically just um, a free platform. There are some of the things that you pay for, but basically it's a free platform with these Bible versions, quite a number of them that are free. Some of them you pay for. Um, and then it's got commentary sections and lots of commentaries as well. It's got lots of dictionaries. It's got lots of books, some few devotionals, some few free books um, and things like that, such that when you're on a particular verse of the Bible, you can see all these other resources that are attached to it. So you can see commentaries of different, from different authors on that particular verse. At the same time, you could be looking at dictionary and defining some keywords from that verse. You could be taking your own journal notes from that verse. You could be, you know, it just links everything together depending on how you want to arrange your, your screen. But the online thing that does an equivalent of that to a good and reasonable would be um, Bible Up and Bible Gateway. Um, and I'll quickly show us both. I mean, those would be apart from Bible.com, which is like the U version Bible app that all of us have got on the phone. That those two sites would be perhaps some of the most visited Bible websites for me personally. Um, in terms of the interlinear thing, it's Bible Hub that actually does it um, brilliantly. But I just want to first of all show us uh, a couple of things around Bible Gateway as well and Bible Hub. Bible Gateway is good for, I don't know any other Christian Bible website that has as many English versions as Bible Gateway. Maybe Bible Hub might come close, um, but in terms of how many verses you can, how many versions rather that you can have access to per time, I think Bible Gateway is still top on that list. And basically, you, it's all about searching for a verse um, or a passage, as the case may be. Um, for instance, say Romans chapter 8. Um, when you just write ROM 828, that's enough. And it takes us, by default, is on the NIV. Um, and you can then play around that whichever way you want. It's also got some study Bibles and things like that, but you need to be to be logged in and to subscribe for all those. So I don't use those resources. I only operate on the free aspect of it. Um, so now because I'm on just one verse of the Bible, it gives me an option to see that verse in all English translations. So if I click on that, then I see Romans 8.28 in all the English translations that it's got. The last time I counted, there were about 53, 54 of them thereabouts. Um, which is quite a lot um, to, to work with. If you already have like favorites um, that you really love to work with, which in my case, sometimes I do that, you can compare five versions at the same time, maximum of five, but you can limit it to fewer numbers. And the way to do that is simple. Just look at the address bar at the top here. You notice that the address bar ends with NIV. The very last three alphabets on the address bar is NIV. That's why that's the version that it's on. Um, all I need to just do is put a semicolon. Semicolon is this, not the dot dot, the one that looks like a dot and a comma on your keyboard, and then add any other version that you want to add. Of course, the assumption here is that you must have been familiar with the abbreviations for versions. So NIV, New International Version, 
um, MSG, the message translation, um, NKJV, New King James Version, KJV, King James Version, and on and on and on like that. So personally, I like using translations like ERV, which is easy to read version. I like using AMP. AMP is the amplified version. And then there is AMPC, which is the amplified version classic edition. The classic is older than AMP, but it's more or less the same. Um, so there have been some revisions and sometimes I use both of them. So I'll say AMP and then AMPC. And it doesn't matter whether you write it in capital letters or small letters or anything, it doesn't matter. We have four now, let's add one more. Um, I also like the Living Bible, so TLB. And just press enter. And that comes with this five side by side on that same verse for you to compare with one another. So it makes it a breeze, really. If you already know what you're looking for and you can play around that um, address bar whichever way you like, you can do and undo from there. Um, this doesn't only work for verses, you can compare chapters. So I can say, I want to just see the whole of Roman 8 in all of those translations. You will notice I keep hiding this part. That's because I want my screen to be a little wider and I don't need the things that are here. Those are the paid things that I don't use. So this arrow here hides them and, and you have access to the whole chapter from that particular, from those multitude of translations. Um, of course, many of these translations have footnotes, those things in parentheses here and there. If you click on them, it would actually give you the text of what it says. So clicking on this, that's what the footnotes would be. But all the footnotes would be listed at the end of the chapter for each of the translations uh, that you're considering part time. So, these are all the footnotes, for instance, for, for that particular fourth translation, which is AMPC, um, and on and on like that. So that's, that's BibleGateway.com. There are many other things I could have shown you on it, but that's just um, the overview for BibleGateway.com. Now we move on to BibleHub.com, and it's Bible, then H-U-B.com. It used to be Bible.com when I first started using this website many years ago. And then of course, eventually the guys from Uversion bought that domain name from these ones. And so they forced these ones to find a new domain name and they settled for bibleup.com and bible.com became owned by Uversion. So, um, but in any case, um, when you say bibleup.com, it gives you this homepage. The space here again works just like the one we're working with just now, Romans 8.28, is for you to type um, a word or a Bible passage. In this case, let's, let's work with the Bible passage. So Romans 8 and 28, then enter. And of course, again, it gives you that version, that verse in as many versions that it has. It doesn't have as many as that of Bible Gateway, as you probably notice. And some of these versions are actually really old um, versions, so to speak. Not very many of them are new. Young's literal translation is very old. World English Bible is new. And um, the only modern English translation that is in the public domain, but I don't need to get into all of that. What, what that simply means is um, all of these Bible versions have copyrights, as you know. And so for you to for people like us that write books, if you are copying verses from Bible Gateway or copying verses from Bible or, or from any other website, 
you need to, in your copyrights page, you need to have specified that you've copied from so-and-so translation and they all have different things that you're supposed to do or some, some language that you're supposed to use that justifies that you can use it. But World English Bible is in the public domain, which means you can continue your life with the verse. You can, with the version rather, it's free. You don't have to cite them, um, but the, the acronym W-E-B is a trademarked um, acronym for them. Uh, anyways, that's just by, by the way. Um, so when you enter a verse, it brings you all these versions on the one side. It shows you the context on the other side, and that simply means it goes a verse before and a verse after to show you what comes before that verse and what comes after it. It gives you some cross-references, which are just like um, other, version, other verses in the Bible that say one or two things about the verse that you are looking at. So in this case, from Romans 8.28, these are other verses that one way or the other seem to relate to Romans 8.28. He has this section called Treasure of Scripture Knowledge. That's the full thing, uh, which is a particular resource. It's just one comprehensively done job by, by some other guy. But what that does is it takes the verse that you have chosen, in this case, Romans 8.28, breaks it down into phrases or statements or words or, or sentences, as the case may be, and then show you other verses in the Bible that link to that. So Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, blah, 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 blah. So it starts with that we know, and it gives you other verses that talks about that we know. Then it moves on to the them gives you other verses that say something about the them um, and on and on like that. Those who are called, it gives you other verses about those who are called um, and it goes on and on like that. Then towards the bottom of the page, you see some commentaries, pulpit commentary, Ellicott's commentary, all on that particular verse that you are on. If the particular verse that you are on doesn't have any resource from some of the commentaries, it will only show you the commentaries that have something on it. Um, and again, you can make those commentaries parallel. You could see them side by side, just like we did um, on Bible Gateway. The last part is one of the forms that this interlinear thing takes. There is still a section on this website that actually deals with interlinear. We'll check it out now. But still on just this page, for one verse that we entered, namely Romans 8, 20, 28, Towards the very end of the page, you then see it's broken down word for word or phrase by phrase and linking it to what is called Strong's number. Now, the idea is that, is that Larry on this call? Um, he's calling me, so I want to, sorry, it might be that maybe he's not hearing me or somebody's not hearing me. Um, just a minute, please. I lost him. Hope everybody can hear me clearly. Oh, all right, Damola, thanks. Um, <clears throat> so the last part is where we then deal with this whole issue of what does it say in the original manuscript? What does it, and when I use the word original manuscript, what I mean is the oldest available manuscript. The very particular letter that Paul wrote for all of the Pauline epistles, we don't have it. The very particular thing that Luke wrote for the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, we don't have them anymore. 
but we still have lots and lots and lots of manuscripts uh, that date, some, some of them date as far back as the second century, which would be just about, for some, in some cases, about 50 years after the original authors wrote them. Of course, back in those days, there were no printing press. And so people had to transcribe by hand. If you want a copy of the book of John, you either had to write it out yourself or get someone to help you write it. And so you can have your own copy. How do we now know that what we have today is trustworthy? It's because there are hundreds and thousands of those manuscripts here and there. Some of them even being discovered as recently as less than a hundred years ago, the Dead Sea Scrolls, for instance that makes us know. And so by the time you begin to compare these manuscripts with that manuscript and that manuscript, they are able to construct ever so trustworthily what we have today as the Bible. That's how the Bible came about. Um, so for each of those words in the Greek, in the case of the New Testament, or the Hebrew, in the case of the Old Testament, you can get to then know what they mean in the original language. I don't speak Hebrew you probably don't speak Greek. So what is what gives us that um, window into what it would have meant to the original hearers? That's where Strong's come in. Um, James Strong is a man like you and I that devoted over close to 25, 30 years of his life to working on, in the days mind you, when there are no computers, to working on all the, major manuscripts at the time that were available to identify every single word in the Bible, in the Greek and in the Hebrew and give numbers to them. I mean, this, was, this is just a mind blowing project for one man to do and, and to trace everywhere that word occurs in the Bible. I mean, it's just, it's unthinkable. And if you've seen the ad back, the paperback or ad cover, um, Strong's Concord, as it's called, is massive, is big, is huge. And that's the work of one man for over a period of like 30 years. So, of course, for that to work, the strategy is used is to ascribe numbers to every of those words. It's like saying every word in the dictionary, but each of those words in the dictionary having a particular number. And so you can easily use track where that number is all through the Bible and use that to see how verses link together. I said I was going to be short with this. My teacher spirit is jumping on me. I'll wrap up now. And so basically that's what you have here in this last part of the page. In the case of, um, in the case of Romans 8.28, now it picks it from the first word. And we know that all things and I mean, God works all things together and he breaks it down like that. But from the first one, you can see, and what word is the and? Is this word in the Greek? And the way it's pronounced is always written in plain words, since you don't know the Greek alphabet. This is the Greek alphabet. This is what it will sound like in normal English. And then this is the strong number. Now, if I click on this number, of course, it will take us to another page. But I can open that link in a new tab. That gives me more information about that particular word and then how other concordances have put it. So it's not only Strong's that have done this kind of job. Um, there's a guy called Thea that did the Thea Greek lexicon. That's also very rich and very brilliantly done, but building on, on what Strong's have done. So he's using the same numbering that um, Strong's have used but then given even based on more sources, expounding 
more meanings from those words um, and the verses that has used them. So when I clicked on that word day from here, it opened it up here, and then you will see a list of everywhere in the Bible where that word has come from. I mean, where that word was used in the New Testament, of course. So whenever you're working on the Greek, you're talking of the New Testament. Whenever you're working on the Hebrew, that means you're somewhere in the Old Testament. And that goes on and on and on and on. And you can begin to compare context with context, how a particular word is used in this context with how it is used in that context, because you could find the same word being used in two, three verses, but in different, totally different contexts. The word that you will use for healing, for instance, in some verses um, is used for equip in um, Ephesians, I think that's for around 11 to 13, where it says he gave gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, and for the equipping of the saints. That word equipping is the same word that was used when the Bible says um, Peter and John were mending their nets before Jesus came to, to use their boats. That word mend the nets and the word equip is the same Greek word in the original manuscripts. And so you can begin to then start thinking, if the word for mending nets is used for equipping the saints, what's the correlation? What's, what does that say to you about, you know, whatever verse you are focusing on at the time? That's how we enrich our understanding um, of scriptures. So I'll go back to that Romans 8, 28 page, uh, which is this, and it goes on like that to break it all down. Finally, and finally, there is a section at the very top of BibleUp.com that actually deals with interlinear, and that you can see this word interlinear. interlinear. And if you click on that, what that simply does is it takes the verse that you are on and then breaks it down for you. This time, focusing on the Greek, the way it was written in the Greek, which will not necessarily flow in the same way in the English, but then the words are broken down again. So we know now that to those loving God, all things work together, God for good, to those according to his purpose called being. Of course, this is, not what it's, this is not what it says in the English, but that's how the words were arranged in the Greek, which the English translators then took together to make English sense out of it. This is why there are multiple translations in the English, because I can look at these mumbled up words and interpret it in a different way than how someone else would interpret it, even though I have no idea of the Greek. The difference in this case is those translators, they have a knowledge of what's going on in the context that they are writing about. They've learned about the first century world. Um, I've got a big book here by N.T. Wright that is thousands of pages, I think, and it's just basically on New Testament in its own world. Big volume of years and years of scholarship from one man to say, okay, this is what the New Testament world looks like. So when someone like that does a Bible translation and this man has done a translation called New, Test New Testament from, for everyone is on, is on um, Bible Gateway as well, NTE. It's, it's, they are coming with that understanding of what they have researched and studied and known about the context where that literature is coming from. And so they can read this meaningless string of English words and make better sense of it to articulate it in English language or Yoruba language or Igbo language or whatever language that might be. 
I think that's where I will rest my case. And I didn't intend by any means to say so much on this, but the Bible is always exciting to me and I can go on and on and on about that. Any questions before we transit into the other subject that we want to talk about? Kingsley, was this helpful in any way or is it more confusing than helpful? Yeah, it's okay, sir. All right, good. And I hope to lend one way or the other from that. Okay, um, so the other issue we want to talk about, and now I'm going to keep quiet because I just want to first and foremost hear what's going on in our minds about it. For those that might not have heard, I mean, we've seen the flyer, you saw a picture on the flyer and some of us might have mistaken that picture for our guest minister tonight. <laughs> you are totally in the dark about what's going on. It's not, a it's not a guest minister. In fact, the person is late. In fact, I think today makes it exactly one week that she passed away. But she's the case study that we thought to spotlight. And of course, this is a sensitive issue in one, one way or the other, whichever way you want to look at it. But the, the story goes that she died last week. She's a music minister um, from a reputable church, so to speak, in Nigeria, or a well-known church, I, I should rather say. Um, and um, she has a particular song that many people know her from, For I saw on YouTube today that the song already has over 70-something million views. So people are engaging with the song. I don't know whether that came as a result of her death or whatever. But yes, she has this song that she's known for. But when she passed away, the report was that she died of cancer, cancer of the truth, before, of course, other people then came forward to say, no, that's not the true story or the full story, that she had always been um, abused in her marriage. Um, and that that, of course, one way or the other, played a part, either directly or indirectly, in her death. And as of the last I heard, the husband had been arrested and the case is still ongoing. But here comes, of course, social media users. And there have been all sorts of hangers from which this has been seen. And of course, I could, personally, I, I take my time to just, first of all, hear different sides to a thing, and also observe how people are kind of, you know, responding and speaking into it and all that. And, and ponder for a while and then begin to ask, okay, besides praying for the family that is affected in this case, I mean, we're talking of four children left without a mother and a man left without a wife. And while we don't necessarily know the full story, they still deserve our sympathy and prayers. And so, but besides that, is there something that God is saying to me? Is there something that God is saying uh, or, or an instruction, a lesson for myself in this case as, as someone in the ministry. And of course, part of what I do ministerial-wise involves what I do with us here. And so I thought, okay, let's sit down with this together, think about it together. Of course, I know some of us have thought about this before now and even responded one way or the other. So I want to just spend some few minutes to listen to what we think about the story, maybe some other details that I might have omitted, of course, eventually this had led to, in some cases, you know, casting stones at um, the church where she belongs to, the pastor where she belongs, where, of the church where she worships, that they should have known that this was going on, da, 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 da. 
And I saw a clip yesterday where the pastor himself was saying they had no clue. And from all his own personal um, efforts at investigating what happened, the woman was very insistent on anyone she tells the story to. She's always adding the caveat of don't tell anybody, don't tell the church, don't tell the pastor, just keep praying for me and praying for my husband. I believe it's going to change. And she remained in that marriage. Um, many have come from the perspective of she should just have simply divorced the man. I mean, why would you stay in a marriage when someone is battering you like that? Or maybe at least even if you don't divorce the man, walk away and stay on your own until the dust settles. So those are some of the different thoughts that I've heard and all that. And I just thought, okay, maybe someone wants to first of all vent your anger and frustration about the story that's absolutely allowed. This is a safe space. Um, or whatever thoughts or lessons or wisdom or thinking and ponderings that have come through from you personally about the issue that you think to share with us, we'll be happy to, to hear that. So the floor is ours. I think I'll stop talking now. And thanks to those of us that put on our camera, it's good to see some faces and play some faces to the words. Damilari, I can see that you are in now. Sorry, I missed your call the first time. I tried picking it, but I, yeah, by the time I wanted to do, you dropped off. So sorry about that. No problem. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Oh, I've well, not started. We are so you can as well go on. Oh, are you just joining like literally now? Yes, I am. Ah, okay, okay. So sorry. <laughs> I've just introduced, uh, we finished an aspect of the meeting. We're transiting to the subject on the flyer. So I've just introduced the backstory to that. And I'm asking for our thoughts and contributions on what we think of the whole saga and what lessons we can glean from it for ourselves as young people, um, either young couples to be or young couples. I think that's basically the population that is here in that sense. Any volunteers, or oh, I should call names. <laughs> volunteer myself. All right. I was uh, going to do it anyway. <laughs> 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 after you. <laughs> Go on, Damola. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I can, like, all I can, all I could just think about was just the children, because really, I feel like, I mean, these are children that, they didn't choose the parents they were going to come from, right? I mean, God chose this one. So it's like, it's just sad because, okay. Yeah, it's just sad because no child deserves to be raised in such a home where they are being, where they see things like this. Mm. I mean, I've had, um, I've had classmates in like back, back um, in secondary school and so if, yeah, who told me, who had parents with this mm. issue? So, I mean, there was even one, that was even close to me at that time. And she told me of how our dad used to beat our mom, even beat her too, like all those. Oh, wow. Then our, our mom eventually, she, I don't know if they divorced or, but then they were separated. I think it was even, they were like deeper life members or something, I think. Oh, wow. Then they separated. And then like, I mean, it wasn't easy for our mom because of course, I mean, financially it wasn't so easy, but at least she's even, she's even the only child, I think. But then so far so good. I can see that 
the effect it's i mean she could still really remember vividly how her dad used to match her, her dad used to match it and she and her mom physically mm. and then but of course the fact that her mom was able to bring out of that that um what's it called that um atmosphere or that exactly mm -hmm. that shape i mean i know it would definitely help her to to be better of growing up as yeah growing up and not seeing every man as evil or every man as oh a demon and all of that so i feel like overall like when we're thinking about it, we should really think about our children of course there are different sides to it because different people have different reasons why they think they can't leave some i mean financial issues and maybe, i mean what people will say and different things but then really when we just choose to like because i mean no one no one wants i don't i don't think anyone would really just want to like settle for someone that will just beat keep beating except it's a psychological issue anyways but yeah, yeah. anyone they are right so really like just detaching oneself from that um hardship is really like the safest thing really Mm. very 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 sobering thoughts especially from the angle of the influence of all this on a child or children as the case may be yeah thanks for sharing any other thoughts um father dan i was coming yeah. to you and then we'll move on to others it's good to see your face again um good evening everyone Good evening. Um, I want to say happy Good Friday um, and happy Easter in, in general. Mm. Um, and I want to say well done to everyone as well, uh, especially to the team lead for the good job you're doing, uh, yeah. for the lives you are blessing and um, realigning as, as, as it were. The Lord will continue to empower you. Um, yeah, straight to the issue on ground. It's a pathetic one for me, actually. Mm. Funny enough, uh, for the past two or three weeks, a particular word has been coming, and that has been the word sacrificial lamb. So I was thinking it was in the spirit of Easter. Easter. Like, okay. Um, yeah, Christ came and died, and as a result, we have access to so many things. Mm. Just like you mentioned in your statement, the video of this young minister has already clocked a number of views because of our death. Mm. In fact, myself and my lovely wives, we almost stood the night watching several clips of our YouTube. I have never done that before. But the consciousness, the awareness that this brought, I am on several platforms on WhatsApp, the awareness I follow Funke Felizadejuma as well. Mm. I don't know if any one of us follows her. The, she said in one of her Instagram posts that her DM is full. <laughs> because several people are coming out 
Now, this is the surprising part, both male and female. Mm. So the abuse of a thing is not gender specific. However, there is more impact on the female folk as it were. Mm. The truth is we can talk about this matter for hours and still not get to the bottom of it. But my own takeaway, as it were, for what I received sometimes ago about that sacrificial lamp is perhaps a death is up the canker view. Trust me, the marriage or the home is under severe attack at this time. And the church has not been spared. Mm. A lot of things have been going on. If we are not careful, uh, I'm sorry to use that word, but I think I'm safe here. Uh, this is a slang, but permit me to use it. That is where we are getting to right now. Because if we are not careful about the contents that are flying around, we begin to question the same foundations that our fathers have built upon mm. and that is helping secure the home as it were. Mm. So it's a sad scenario especially for those of us who understand the ministry and everything that uh, surrounds it. My, I wound up with this. The church is at the center of everything that goes wrong now. And it's so unfortunate. Even if, if a political person loses an election, as long as he goes to a church, somehow, somehow, they will expect that, ah, shouldn't the pastor have told him that he should not contest, he will not win now, he should have just sat down in his house. Somehow, somehow, everything is being linked to the church. And of course, we cannot but take responsibility as a church as well. I mean, if was going the person is dead now, and you now have the F1 to speak out. That for me, do not cut it. You should have been silent. The way you were silent when she was in it, and she died, now you are coming out to speak. No, your voice is no longer doing what it's supposed to do. So even in the spirit of brotherliness, in the spirit of, uh, let me use the word, keeping the secret of the church within the, the church, the walls of the church, as it were. I mean, nobody will believe the pastorate was not aware about such a thing. Bearing the fact that the two, the couple in, in this scenario, members of the church, I mean, I listened to the pastor. He said the children would come to him. He would lay his hands upon them. He would pray for mm. them. And then the children would go back to the father. And the father would tell the pastor. Trust me, the psychology of those children have been affected. Those children will need serious help. Because one of the stories implied that 
the children were also asked to beat their mother. This is the world we are in right now. Unfortunately, so many other stories have been cropping up, of, of course, different from these, of several abuses that have been going on. So we are bringing up the hashtag, no say no to domestic violence. On the final note, I, I, I would love to submit that um, we should um, more or less intercede for the church at this time and intercede for the home as well. Trust me, Christian marriage is under serious attack because the devil knows that if he can win the battle at the home front, the church is as good as God dead. We can come together in church and raise only hands. But if at home things don't work out, then our service is just eye service. Thank you very much. God bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Uh, well thought through thoughts. Um, love, Alfred. Over to you. Hi, everyone. Um, good evening. Okay. Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to lend my voice to the conversation. Um, I do agree with the last speaker um, to an extent that um, the, the, the home front is under attack. Um, what I would want to add to that is that I don't think the church and I don't think the society, particularly where we come from, is ready for this conversation. I don't think we are ready for the conversation because there is a generation, what I doubt that is going to be our generation. Why I am saying that is because the very structures of our society um, goes in, goes in like in a circle. So you have a scenario where a child grows up and becomes an adult and ends up as an elderly person who behaves like a child. So the cycle is in continuum. So the cycle of the home to the church, to the very other structures of the society runs back to the family as the immediate core. Mm. And if we do not have structures in place at the home, and we also you also see that we cannot have the structures in place to check this kind of menace in the society as it is. So let's start from the church. If you look at a committee of elders who are marriage counselors in the church or who sit in the leadership structures of the church, how many women sit in those committees? Go into the governance structure of the society, the legislative, um, the legislative um, um, arm of government, how many people, how many women sit in those kind of structures? Go into the political parties that raise the leaders that come to make the employment or that solicits for elections into these legislative structures of our society. How many women are recognized in political parties apart from women leaders? Or how many women are in these political parties as people that are readily able to contest Test. Come back to the home front. How many men would allow their women to go and contest for elections? 
and we have a representative kind of government in our society. So if at the governance structure that is placed to handle menace like this, we don't have people that, um, I mean, are representative of women, then how many people would actually listen to a woman come to make this kind of complaint? You come back to the church, let's go from the position of an usher, a deaconess, you would find many women. In fact, in most churches, women make up the highest numbers of people that are actually true or committed members of the church. And then when you now go to the point of where they are elevated into the pastoral position, how many women get to that point? I remember when I was doing my marriage counseling about 11 years ago, only one woman sat on that platform. And even if she were to speak the kind of language that I would understand at age 21, young girl, what are you going to do in this business? How do you think? The first question she asked me was, I hope you are going to stay in this marriage till the end. That was the first question a woman could ask me because number one, I don't even expect that she should have sat in that position. And the rest of the men, they were all asking questions to protect the man. How many people they start to think of, this is a young girl, this is a naive girl going to a home. What conversations should we be asking or having with her? Should we build a trust system wherein mm. if she has a problem, she knows where to run to. Mm. Go to many churches, and think of people that sit in these committees, marriage counselors, how many of them are women? So I feel like the cry out there today is, I have not been able to make, this is the first platform I've been able to converse about this. Mm. I've just been thinking deep. And I'm like, we are not ready for this conversation. We are not ready for this. If we're crying, if everybody's crying foul here and there, we are just being very hypocritical about it. Mm. This goes down to the very fabric of our society. How are we, how, how are we made? Let's go back to the church. If this lady in question had decided to, you know, leave her marriage, how many of us would listen to her music? How many of these church ministers would invite her to come and preach or invite her to come and sing in their congregation? How mm. many of us would not think, oh, Apart from the fact that she's a gospel minister, how many of us would not think, oh, she was not good enough to handle her home? That's why she couldn't last in it. Mm. I mean, when a woman is made to, when a woman is built and developed in this kind of environment or developed with this um, mindset, I mean, many women are in their homes that they're not being beaten or, or struck by a man, but mm. they are being abused in other ways. I have personally had to deal with cases back in Nigeria where some women have been abused in more than one ways other than physical abuse, mm -hmm. emotional abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, or, or call it. And the truth is, who would listen to a woman? If that young woman would go to an elderly woman and she would be like, you are even enjoying much more than I did. In my own case, I never had the privileges you have. So mm -hmm. I feel like... I used to think, I used to say before that the, even the Bible has not been fed to women, but well, <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. But I feel like as the church, we should understand that this is not just an attack on the woman. In the book of, in, in Genesis, when the Bible started, you realize that the first person that God wanted to partner with to birth purpose was a woman. The same thing when the serpent came, he also came to the woman because the woman is like the earth. The woman has a womb. 
the woman is the person that partner should go to bet purposes in the earth. In the book of Revelation, if you look at what happened, you would also hear that the woman was running. The enemy first also came to the woman and it is the earth that helped the woman. So realizing that the very structures of our society, women are the ones that give birth to the men in the society as well. Women are the ones that, 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 that cry out in the church to birth revival and purposes in the earth. And if, they, if women are becoming wise, if women are in negatively wise, I would call it, if the cry is for everybody speaking domestic violence and the language is the enemy can use this same positive thing with regards to one person and populate a negative foundation for the church. Absolutely. And this is something that we, I am I'm hoping that we can see in the midst of all of this that is happening. The bigger mm. picture to this is the fact that where is this going to? Just like he mentioned about Funke Adejumo's speech. I am, I'm in the UK here, but the madam I work with for gender-based violence, we've had to go and look for another um, another um, building in Ikotekwene because the one in Uyo is filled up in the space of four days because mm. of women coming out to speak about gender-based violence. And so is this not going to populate many women wanting to leave their homes? And then what happens to the structure of a family and the structure of marriage as mm. God would have wanted it to be? And number two, what are the churches doing about it? What are we doing when you see, when, you, when a woman, women already have these misgivings in their heart so this is just something that is a trigger yeah so i feel like we are not ready for the conversation if we understand what we are about to lose as the church then the point where we are going to correct is not a point where we are saying we did not know this we did not know that is number one to take responsibility and number two to begin to have these conversations in the church and begin to think about trying to um, balance the equation with respect to recognition of what women bring to the table i remember when we we're talking about um i'm just gonna end with this politics the other week about um i think it was women's um, international women's day we we're yes, talking yeah. about breaking the bias and mm -hmm. i i just i just something just came into my mind and this was about what i've just shared women being the wombs of the earth we mm -hmm. actually we're actually the table we, we bring the table we are the table we bring the table we we are the we are the, we're the authors of the table so we bring the table. So you're not going to ask us, what do we bring to the table? We are the table ourselves. Without mm. us, we cannot have the society. We are the table. So if we begin to have the conversations of the role, the important role that God wants a woman to play in the earth today, and the also importance, imp the importance of a woman in, the, in a negative way, depending on who reaches her first. The angel of the Lord came to, Jesus, came to the woman and told him, you're going to give birth to the child called Jesus. And the enemy too went to the woman in, in, in the book in Genesis Eve and told her, man, young lady, this beautiful fruit is sweet. Can you try it? Mm -hmm. The first point of contact is going to be the woman. Now, if the church understands this reality, what are we doing about it? Are we empowering our women in the right way or we are leaving them to suffer um, some, some form of mental or whatever it is, inferiority complex that they think that they have offered everything, they are the tables and yet they're underappreciated. That's mm. my, my two cents. Thank you. Thank you so much, love. <laughs> That's more than two cents. <laughs> I'll take it as 200 pounds. Anyways, thank you so much. Well appreciated. Kingsley, your hand, your hand is up, so go for it. Okay, sir. Sorry, before you no, go, on, let me just let me be clear with our timeline. Um, I'm hoping that 
all our contributions, we can wrap it up in about 20 minutes from now. And then we're going to start to tie it together. So let's be for possibly still giving room for others to contribute as well. Thank you. Go okay. On. Okay. Um, can I be heard very well? Yeah. Yeah, Lovely. very clearly. Lovely. Ah. Uh, what should I say now? Okay, I'll just be I'll just be quick because of our time. I don't have to just go to the recap of who to blame and who not to blame. Because um, over the course of us in Achis, there's a lot of people blame, 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 blame for mm. themselves. But that's uh, by the way. But one thing that um, God opened up to me before I got married to uh, my wife is uh, that I should love her as Christ loves the church. Mm. And we need to start having conversations with people going into marriage, knowing that what were you today is good friday and when we say today is good friday and you watch the passion and i was just reading the book of luke and you see how jesus was literally emotionally and uh, ment like mentally and emotionally stressed and made his tear and and, uh, <laughs> yeah if i could put that that made his uh his uh, 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 uh um this one turned to blood so uh, we, we see, yeah, his sweat turned to blood. We see the kind of uh, stress he went through. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the things that lead to abuse that your wife spoke to you in an ill-mannered way or that you are not getting the re respect and you feel like I want to correct her so that she will mm -hmm. know that I'm the boss and then bam, you hit her. So my, my take and just because I'm because of time, I'm just going to be very direct and just straightforward is as a man do you love your wife as christ loves the church i've had a, a, a colleague of mine that is going through emotional abuse and even inside the emotional abuse in the uk the wife wakes up by five in the morning to pray for one hour and praying for one hour she's also praying for her husband that you're not talking to <laughs> so we 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 as christians Let's not blame anybody. Let's start off first, talk to ourselves. Let's have that discussion to ourselves. Because we're quick to say, oh, the pastors is wrong. We, nobody knows what transpired. Nobody knows if Osinachi spoke to the pastor. Nobody knows. Because, because I saw someone in, on YouTube saying that the pastor knows. The pastor knows. I'm like, the pastor should have. We probably know because they say they don't want to tell the pastor again. Nobody knows all those things. People are just coming and just looking for opportunities to attack the church and attack the, the uh, Christian marriages mm. and all that. But the question is, you as a man, are you treating your wife as Christ is treating the church? When she sp speaks to you anyway, remember when you were still in sin, even when you, we that claim that we are born again, remember when you still fall back to sin? Does Jesus beat you? No, he doesn't. And one thing that God opened my eyes when I had my boy is that I am the God that my boy will see. So if I hit my wife, that means what? That I am telling him that God is someone that hits somebody that insults him. He's going to be scared of God. I want, to, I want him to see God as a loving father. And I'm portraying that kind of uh, lifestyle for my children. So we need to have men that will be able to, if the woman speaks in an ill-mannered way, keep silent. Jesus Christ, on his way to the cross, they spoke to him. They said all sorts of things. What did this Bible say? He said no word. He said no word. We need to know as men 
and I, I'm coming for men and then the women will balance the whole thing by the time I also speak to them because God said that respect, submit to what? To your husband as the church unto Christ. We need to respect. Nobody comes and insults Christ and say, hey, you don't have money or whatever. No, respect him. Respect your husband. Respect your husband the same way the husband love your wife. If, if we can practice this thing, I'm telling you, we don't have to bother about who is the majority in the church, whether women are in the committee or women are not in the committee. That would not matter. Mm. For me and my wife, I, I, I don't know. Uh, she may, I don't, I can't remember us going for committee or what a marriage committee or anything. But these are the principles that was working in our marriage. Mm. Brethren, brothers and sisters, our first point of call is our family. Your first point before any service you do in church is your family. You cannot be hitting your wife and again, giving holy hands to the Lord and praying to God. I think I'll just stop here. That's the few things I just, I don't want to go around those in a there, but these are the lessons I've drawn that have uh, drawn from the whole situations. Love your wife as you love yourself. And the one, the, the, if you have to summarize the commandment into one, it is love your neighbor as yourself. If I hit, if you hit your wife, that means you enjoy hitting yourself. You know, so that's just uh, what I want to add. So I'll just leave it for um, other people to contribute. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. Um, I can see the two hands up. Um, okay, okay, we'll take that in the order in which is on my screen. So Sister Yinka first, and then Sister Diola after that. Thank you. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, like someone mentioned, this would also be the first platform I will be verbally or, vo I mean, yeah, vocalizing um, since the issue has spread. And one of the things, I, the first thing I wanted to point out is the power of social media, the power of social media. Um, and with everything going on, I, I could see, or I could, real, I could, yeah, I could see how quick things can spread. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether good or bad, whether anger, hate, or love, the social media has the power of transmitting that as well. Um, of course, when, when I heard about her death and initially what we heard was cancer, you know, just like everyone mentioned, at first we heard that of cancer of the throat and I was wondering, cancer of the throat, okay, somebody that is using the voice for the, for the Lord, how can, you know, and then the next thing we are hearing is she died because as a result of the abuse, you know, of course, just like everybody else, um, I was also furious that, oh, and, you know, I started also making, wondering and making comment, but I had to stop myself, especially publicly, um, like on social media, I had to stop myself because um, one of the things I realized is somewhere the news started that it was as a result of abuse, but somehow, somewhere we've not gotten the evidence and we are, we are already spreading all of these things. So um, it's just, a, well, for me personally, 
aside from the major topic of you know abuse it's mm -hmm. it's also a note of caution that we need to be careful to verify things before we join people in doing whatsoever and casting stones and spreading whatever because the word of god still stands sure we are going to give mm. account of every word that we speak Absolutely. or that we type or that we like or that we comment mm. you know it reminds me of when they were going to crucify jesus and they brought the thief and the Pilate was asking the people oh who do you want Barnabas or Jesus and they were pointing to the thief that they should release the thief they, you know I can imagine every everybody is just hey release and crucify Jesus for whatsoever reason and it looks like some people from somewhere were already angry at Jesus and they decided to use that opportunity I mean this is good Friday so it's a good reminder they decided to use that opportunity to take that and that occasion to take the anger out on Jesus and then every other person joined in amplifying that voice to crucify an innocent man what am I trying to say am I trying to say a husband is innocent I don't know and if we should if i should ask it and every one of us on this platform that where is actually the evidence that she had death was as a result of the abuse mm. I, I i mean maybe maybe it's somewhere maybe i haven't read it but what i'm trying to say the news started from somewhere but it hasn't been proven now it could be yes she has been abused over time and someone decided to, you know, have we imagined somebody decided to use that story to bring the husband into, you know, to blame someone for a condition like maybe he, he didn't actually have, maybe that wasn't the result of a death. Yes, maybe he has been doing it, but that's not actually what caused a death. I don't know. We don't know. So that's where we have to be careful as individuals about social media. Now, speaking of the actual aspect of abuse, just like everyone that has spoken before me has mentioned, yes, it's one thing I just, another thing I just saw in this story is that this, I have a lot to think. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to just pick my neurons and just see the one I'm going to say because I don't want to, you know, prolong the conversation but um i'll just say this when it comes to marriage mm. and i'll also leave with a question when it comes to marriage it's two people from different um, homes upbringing coming together to become one and what does that mean there are possibilities whereby they would say even in there's a proverb in in yoruba they would say um, the tongue and the teeth cannot do without fighting sometimes. Um, Pastor Kola will know how to say that in Yoruba. But what are they trying to say is that even though they, both, they, they are both inside the mouth, right? The tongue and mm -hmm. the teeth. But occasionally, some of us have beaten our tongue. Maybe when, when eating, chewing gum like I'm doing right now or something like that. But they all dwell in the same, um, the same place. So, as a husband and wife, occasions may arise whereby quarrels will come, you know, things would happen. Um, it doesn't justify beating 
it doesn't mm. justify abuse but i think one of the things that people should be cautious of because i see so many things flying around and one of the things you hear people say even this marriage is a scam even this uh, mm. there's no uh, even christian uh, even pastor your pastor is beating his wife uh, all those things all those you know things like that one thing we should know is this in marriage things will happen but it has to we have to know how to um, resolve conflict and resolve it in the way of the lord um oh god i i i, I um maybe i'll just leave with this question because i i, I don't want to i don't want to take too long of a time um now does that mean the 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 church is wrong somebody asked me this actually tagged me i just did like see i didn't see the tag and they tagged my husband too and i want to also drop the question here if we have the time to answer that's fine does that mean the marital vow needs to be eradicated i mean the marital vow of um for better <laughs> for richer, for poorer, in mm. sickness, until death do us part. Because many people are saying it's because um, the late singer, she has been so, you know, engrossed in this mentality that you have to stay in the marriage, um, no matter what, just, you know, enjoy it. You know, in, or if a woman is being beaten in a marriage, I, I saw a movie. They say if a woman, if a husband is beating the the wife, that means the woman must have done something to provoke the husband. So they are basically saying it's because of what preachers have been preaching and mm. all those things, oh submission and all and oh for bed till death do you just have to just stay and uh, God hates divorce, divorce so, and things like that. So should that vow be revisited and my last comment about god hates divorce they brought the same question towards jesus you know and remember what jesus responded first was in the beginning it was not so so in addressing this issue let us go back to the beginning what was god's intention about the institution of marriage and what was god's idea what, 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 how did God um, envisage marriage to be? Things happen in marriage, but God hates divorce. And then for better, for worse, to death do us part. Mm. Where do we go from here? Thank you. Thank you very, very, very much. Brilliant contribution. Um, Sister Diola, Apologies for always adding sisters to some people's name and brother to some people's name. I know some people don't necessarily like that. But I've been so used to that language that sometimes I can't spare myself of it. Anyways, Diola, thank you, sir. Um, good evening, everyone, and great contribution so far. So I would just like to start with the fact that this is not a gender issue. It is not... Um, <laughs> the female is being abused or the woman is being abused in court. It's about abuse in general. And um, 
I have seen a lot of comments about what the church or how the church has contributed to this blah, 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 and ETC. And we know the keyboard warriors, they are always um, fast to, you know, say bad things about the church and even about pastors. Now, as a Christian lady, my contribution is where does the church stand or what is the church doing now? Because I, I wouldn't know why um, she chose to remain in that marriage, but I can assume that maybe because of what people would say, she's a minister and how many people would want to say that I would, you know, listen to her song or, you know, the likes of it. And maybe she chose to stay because of that. Now, what is the church doing? Is the church creating a safe place for people to come out and say, oh, I'm being abused in this marriage. How can you help me? And this is not about, now, when I say the church, this is not just about the pastors because we can't expect the pastors to oversee everybody. The same way CEO cannot talk to over, I don't know, 3,000 people in his industry, in his company, it is not possible. Mm. That was the reason why the father-in-law of Moses told him to assign men, 70 men or so, mm -hmm. you know, to govern Israel because he couldn't do it alone. So this is not about the pastors as it were. This is about everybody. If you are a Christian, you are, you are the body of Christ and you are part of the church. So it is about everybody. Now, those people that chose not to talk, when that woman was going through all those abuse and they chose not because they said she was she was kneeling down and begging them i don't know mm. and now she's gone those people also they have their own fault because they didn't they didn't stand their ground and probably they didn't go to the pastor and say oh this is what is going on so as individuals in the body of christ how are we what are we doing to create safe places for people that are being abused do we actually encourage them to come out of these you know, abusive homes? It can either be a man or a woman because either party can be abused. This is not about a woman being abused. It is, of course, this case is about a woman, but this is, this is not about the woman gender. It is about abuse because right now, men and women alike are coming out to say, oh, I'm being abused in this relationship. I'm being abused in this marriage. So the call is to the church. What are we doing? Are we creating? safe places thank you thank you very much sister deola Deola. and you would notice whenever i call oga Oshoro, i start with oga that's also because back then when we were in school together that's the title <laughs> or the prefix i've always used so i can't read myself from saying ogada milari so ogada milari <laughs> thank you <Ogata. laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I, I will not, uh, I know we don't have too much time and trust, trust me, I think uh, everyone has said everything. Uh, mine will just be questions to you, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because you are the pastor here now. <laughs> you know, just as you round up, you know, if you, if you could answer some of these questions, and not a lot, anyway, maybe two or three, which is that, um, you know, so if you look at it, what everybody has said as well, and the reactions we've seen all over, what it looks like is that uh, the other side is, is winning. That is, the narrative that is coming out of this is, better just get out. Like, getting out is, 
is now making made fashionable like exactly yeah just get out like anything get out you know so the question there for me is could what would then be god's intention or could there be anything god really wanted to get out of this particular story for making it you know because it's a popular one is a popular person a gospel i mean somebody that is also even a vessel in the hands of god and everything so really could there be something god wants to get out because me i've been that's what i've been thinking of like what could really what could it be that god really wants to get out of allowing this to happen because it could have stopped it i always know that god can stop it you know whether by hinting the pastor in a visual, the dream or whatever, you know, by just doing whatever. But why would the, why would God have allowed it to go that far? And right now, trust me, it's the other side that is the the devil is probably having a good laugh right now. But I still feel like maybe there's something that God wanted to you know get out from just the way I asked them questions for cases like. Um, Le, le, she, she, is it Lee Shuaibu? What's that girl's name? That's still, yeah. Hey, yeah. That's still in Leah. That's still in custody, you know, up till now. So my question to God on that also is always like, so just something you are trying to get out of this at the end of. So maybe you can. I don't know if you can answer it. What, what could that be? What could God really be trying to get out of, of this uh, whole scenario? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay. Um, Sister Yenka, your hand is still up. Is that from before or is that something? No, sir. Yeah, it, this right. is a new one. I, okay. I just I want to mention something real quick. And this I, I'm also tying it to why um I would say this is also an avenue in which the devil is trying to attack the church mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. area. Because what if it wasn't um this woman that died what if it was maybe just this you know a random uh a worldly singer let me put it that way what if it was a worldly singer and you know i wonder how this matter would have turned out now no there is no way that says that it is the church that should handle the aspect of abuse let me try and clarify um, in developed countries, I would say for, in America, for instance, if you go for an appointment, a medical appointment, a random medical appointment, one of the questions that is being asked, um, also, you know, in line with, a little bit in line with my profession, one of the questions we are about to ask every patient, even if you came, you cut your, your finger, your hand or whatever, whatever it is, there, there are mental questions that is being asked. There are asked questions like, are you thinking about committing suicide? Are you feeling safe at home? Are you um, being abused? Those are like questions that come up irrespective of what you went to the hospital to mm -hmm. like, even if it is not related. What am I trying to say? We see so much pressure being put on the church on the pastors and they're saying that, oh, why, you know, this and that. But um, in our country itself, our country does not provide that avenue. 
I think that is part of also where we need to get to the root of this matter if we're going to look at it. They, they don't easily provide that avenue. You know, we have all this Ministry of Women Affairs, Women's Ministry of this, and I always wonder what those ministries are even there for. But they don't provide this avenue where people can go and speak freely. Or, you know, also in the society um, where, where we have the police, because here as well, if you have, by here, I'm sorry, I mean in America, and I believe it's the same in, in UK, but I, I mean in developed country. If you are experiencing a case of abuse, you can easily have a number to call or have a place that you can go and report it. Now, I'm saying this is outside of the church because everybody is putting so much pressure on the fact that, oh, is the church's fault? Is this, is the pastor's fault? And all those things like that. But that's one thing I want to point out that Nigeria itself, it's not just the church. Nigeria itself does not even provide that avenue where people look at the case of rape, for instance. They don't even have an avenue where people can freely come and report themselves to. At the end of the day, yes, we want to blame the church. There's no light in the country. Yes, it's the pastor that is the fault. The, the roads are bad. Oh, yes, the, the pastors, they are the ones, they are the ones collecting, you know. And so that's another reason why I'm trying to say we have to be careful in trying not to cast blame in, in a direction where the blame shouldn't you know be coming from that that's just what i want to add sorry thank you thank you very much very 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 much um it's been a, a very sobering and enlightening um evening in many regards and i want to sincerely celebrate i'm Larry, i'm going to celebrate everyone that had contributed one way or the other uh, it's been a learning moment for me myself and yeah, I'll pause there. Well, Adam Larry, go on very quickly and very briefly. Did you just drop up? Oh, no, it's still there. Adam Larry. Okay, uh, good evening, everyone. Sorry, sorry about this network and um, dropping <laughs> up and on. So, this person was just about to round up. <sighs> well, what I just wanted to add to what everybody has said is um, it's been so sobering. It's been sobering, really. But, but I, I know that many times the world holds the church to um, a very, very higher standards and the world tends to be very unforgiving when it comes to um, these kinds of things when it happens in the church. And in the world they can many of them just um, look away but when it happens in the church then everything to take a bash at them you see we said it's it always uh, but it's well it's just it just it just shows that um there is a lot that um there is a standard that's that God expects um, we are not going to arrive there in, in, in a day, a week, or a year, but we progressively get there by God's grace. What I just wanted to ask was Is being in an abusive relationship, is it, um, would you regard it as um, persecution or, or 
a piece of I don't know. Because from the story, it looked as if maybe she, that was a perspective. That was a perspective. That was a perspective of the of the because she keep telling people that ah, it will change. Maybe maybe that was what she, maybe that was what she thought. Mm. I wouldn't know. Mm. Maybe she regarded mm. as a persecution. And I again is is helping people against their will, able because it's it's looked as see like something is harming her, but you it's a marriage and you can't yeah like an outsider you can't really interfere. I don't I don't even know how to even phrase this like can you help people against their will in a, in a situation where maybe you have a neighbor that every day is always beating up the wife and probably is even a pastor. How do you want to how do you want to handle that kind of relationship? And then thirdly is there a is there a dysfunction of um, identity? Like mm. I think it was someone that was saying that probably we need to go back to what what was what did God design? Because if you look at the design of 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 God in Genesis and in Ephesians, I'm not even married, so I wouldn't know how it is. <laughs> but, but it says that um, the husband should love the wife as Christ loved the church. And the mm -hmm. wife should submit as um, to their own husband. So if that pattern is really being followed, and everyone really understands their identity, is there a dysfunction of identity of of roles in in marriage? I just pray that um, Lord will help um, the church. Lord will help um, people that are being hurt. That's that's even the most important thing. There are people that are, that are even going to do worse. That can't even say anything. Just pray, Lord, will help them and help us in Jesus' name. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, again, adding to, okay, to say very briefly. Go on. Yes, sir. Good evening, everyone. I hope you can all hear me. Is this 007? I presume so. <laughs> <laughs> so good to hear your voice. Go on. <laughs> good evening, sir. And good evening, everyone. And good happy evening. Good Friday to everyone. And Easter. Um, I would not want to take too much of my time because I have so much to say, but I just want to keep it to just one point. Um, uh, it's easy for us to have um, different bias towards things, especially when... Um, um, religion and everything attached to it, but I try to look at things most of the time from a practical view. Okay, let's say for instance, um, one man on the road strike the other person on the road, be it a man or a woman, uh, would our first point of reference be, is it a Muslim, is it a Christian, is it a pagan, is it a Judas or whatever it is? It is one man striking the other person, which is more of a social and a moral, um, issues to deal with. So um, most times when we put um, this bias onto things, um, we lose um, the focus and clarity of this thing. Um, secondly, let's say for instance, uh, we've been making too many references to the church. Mm. I have faith, I believe in God. But would you say for an unruly child that misbehaves in school, you blame school for the unruliness of the 
child or from the home that the child comes from. Mm -hmm. These are simple questions that we should ask ourselves. The mm -hmm. teacher is a teacher in school. Is he responsible for the moral upbringing of a child in order to impact knowledge? Most of these responsibilities still comes back to the house. The man that beat his wife, has parents, was raised by parents, be it single parents or both parents. Where must, where has things gone wrong? This person has friends. Obviously, he's going to have confidence and neighbors and what have you. The woman has so many people to talk to. It's easier for the woman to talk to friends, colleagues, nephews, cousins, close friends, and share thoughts that are going to the church. We all have responsibility to all these things. I still stay on the on the social and moral part of this thing, that mm. trying to take the blame to the church. A child that is not properly trained, let's start from somebody hitting the other person. Is it right or wrong? Before we start putting the bias of church, what if the man has been a Muslim and the woman is a Christian? Mm. I'm sure the topic would have been different. Would have been religious topic like oh Muslims and Christians and what have you and mm. the bias that have been enormous and views that have been different and what the churches will be saying wouldn't be um this it's going to be like okay Muslims are these that's why we preach against um inter-religious marriage and stuff but yet we keep shifting blame and missing the point. Somebody mm. was striked, beaten and attacked has nothing to do with the church. Yes, the church has responsibility, but this is really, for me, is really not basically should be attached to the church. Yes, the woman is a pastor, the man might be a pastor, whatever it is, but the home, what happens in the home, the moral upbringing of a child does not start in the church. It starts from the home. It starts from the parents. I would just want to keep it this short. I'm sure we can elaborate more and sure. it can go a lot of places but the church should not be the first point of it as far as i'm concerned uh, thank you very much thank you very much um this again it's good to hear your voice steven which will be our last contribution for this evening straight to the point please over to you sir okay Okay, good evening, everyone. Good evening. I actually do not have a contribution. I only have a question. Okay. I only have a question, and it stems from um, Bro Tinsley's contribution. Now, mm. beyond um, analyzing the whole event and the faults, casting blames, um, I think he pointed out the fact that we need to uh, look at the standard, like Jesus loving the church, and mm -hmm. just like in Ephesians 5 husband loving the wife and the mm. wife submitting. Now, I I think most of these things that happen, they happen for our learning beyond mm. casting blames and everything. Now, for the for the unmarried, what would you say? Like, how do you prevent um, subsequent occurrences of issues like this in the sense that, for example, um, let's say the husband, how do you love your wife? Knowing fully well that uh, there, there's going to be rooms for offenses, there's going to be times when, just like it has been illustrated, like the teeth and the mouth and everything, how do you, for the unmarried, how do you really, when you're in, in such situations, manage mm -hmm. such situations? And um, we understand that even being a Christian, 
beyond the context of marriage, it is, it is uh, mandatory for us to love our neighbors. And that's just a law that's been like for you to be a Christian. But I want to ask you know, when, when you are married, it becomes more intimate, like you guys share most things together. And now this offense is coming from someone that you are so close with. And how do you cope in those instances? Like, how do you manage such a situation? Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Stephen. Thanks again to everyone. <laughs> we are now eight minutes to when we are supposed to wrap up. Um, I, I can crave our indulgence for just about 10 minutes, hopefully, and I want us to say a word of prayer for the family as well uh, as we wrap up this meeting. Um, of course, there is no possible way that we could exhaust all there is to say about the issue on ground. And that's, of course, not even the, the agenda as it were for this meeting. Um, and few questions have been raised, some of which the answer to it is I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I thought to first and foremost put some few things in perspective, um, just, just FYI, so to speak. Um, so I'm going to share my screen and, and point out one or two things. Um, of course, on my on my screen now, as, as one of our contributors was contributing, one of the issues that came forward um, is this issue of gender, and that's a very, very serious issue, gender inequality um, in our world, um, especially from the continent that we are coming from. And understandably so, I, I was saying a couple of meetings ago that I was teaching some um, undergraduate students at, at CMS in Oxford, um, on global theologies. And one of the theology the dimensions of the theology that we considered was feminist theology. And that really opened my eyes myself to a lot of things that I'd not even considered before um, in the Bible. But we are, we are, the first point I want to make in that regard is to say, when we look at where we are coming from, where, whatever that looks like, whether you are born here in the UK or you are born in Africa, um, and you, you've had the time to consider your heritage vis-a-vis -vis your context presently or in the past, the, the reality is there is no perfect place. There is no perfect heritage. There is no perfect culture. There is no perfect worldview anywhere. Um, the things that we could look at from our own heritage and say, this is faulty. We need to address it. And yes, they might indeed be faulty and you need to address it. But if you compare that with those that seemed to have fixed it in some other part of the world, namely, especially the developed countries, then we see that they also have their own baggage of serious, deep-seated worldview and cultural issues. Um, of course, Africa, for instance, is part of the reason why this everything boils down to church or religion or Islam or Christianity or whatever in Africa is because innately, by virtue of our worldview, we are deeply religious. Someone wrote a book in the 60s that became a classic and the very first statement is, the African is notoriously religious. That's true for most Africans. And, and so every issue is often always looked at through the lens of religion, whether you like it or not. We, you want to apply for a visa, it's not just the process of applying, it's a, it's a spiritual warfare issue. 
you want to travel from one city to another, it's, it's a spiritual matter, it's a religious issue um, and things like that. So of course, eventually the ills of the society will also be viewed amongst many other lenses, primarily through the lens of religion. So all the blame casting and all that, it's, it's not a shock. It's coming partly from that foundation. But I want us to hold on to that reality that yes, our heritage, our culture, our structure, the society that has shaped some of us might not be all that it needs to be, but there is no place on earth where they have it all together in that sense. That's one. Two is, again, this was just something that dropped in my mind randomly as this conversation was going on. So actually check what countries are the most gender equal countries in the world. And that's what you have on your screen right now. Um, this is showing about the first 15 or 20 or something um, in that list. And of course, then I thought to also then look at the countries with the highest rate of divorce. And the interesting thing you will see, which is now the tab on your screen is there are many names in this group that you also find there that's where there is tendency for gender equality. And by this chart, as you are saying, Switzerland is, they are saying Switzerland is like the most gender equal country and all these other groups that follows like that. And of course, this is a very long list. This is just the top, top as it were. And then you come to the divorce trend and you also see those same countries scattered around there. You see Finland, you see Norway, you see Netherlands, you see, um, Luxembourg, which are all countries that you find amongst these first few countries as well. That's again, just FYI for your information. I'll stop sharing in that regard. I just thought to throw that out there. That even, so with the issues and the complications that come back as the aftermath of divorce, because yes, divorce may spare you some quote and unquote more years having left an abusive relationship or marriage, as the case may be. Um, there are impacts on, of that on the children that your own escape cannot fix. And so when we look at all of that together, we still come to one realization that it goes beyond this issue of let's just fix this and fix that and have more females there and females there. I personally believe we need gender equality. Don't get me wrong. I personally would advocate that we have more women in these other places that matter and, and not just have the males dominate everything. We need the wisdom of both genders to run the world. Male and female created in them. That's what the Bible says. Um, so yeah, that's just again, by the way, but now to some of the questions that have been raised specifically as we begin to wrap up. Um, one of them is, do we need to revise this whole marriage, especially the vows that we share <laughs> when we get married, which has come from years upon years of refined thinking from the church fathers. Now, part of one area of my Christianity that I had not really considered until like a couple of years ago that I became really fascinated with it is church history. And when I'm saying church history, I'm not just talking of the history of my church. I'm saying the history of this whole thing we call Christianity from when it started in the first century till now. And of course, it's gone through all sorts of ups and downs. It's gone through some very silent periods, some very brutal periods, some some unthinkable atrocities that had been involved in that story. 
But again, one of the things that we've gotten down the centuries are these refined thoughts that had been made into statements that we take for granted today, articulations of faith, statements of faith, um, different um, theses here and there, trying to give expression to what we really believe and what we teach. And of course, that's where the whole for better for worse thing comes from. But the interesting thing to that on a personal level is about two or three years into my marriage with Anu, I stumbled on the program that we used for our wedding. Some of you that knew our story will know we did a court of marriage in Birmingham in a, in a register's office and then went to church afterwards to just get prayed for. And I saw the vows that we exchanged and so that there was no for better for worse <laughs> in our vows. <laughs> I was literally stunned. It was like, when the marriage was happening, I didn't even know there was no for better for worse. But now I'm looking at everything we said, and I'm like, where is the for better for worse? For goodness sake, ah, you this lady. <laughs> They've given me an out, of course, and they're joking, uh, saying that jokingly. But the point is, it didn't even occur to us because the idea is whether or not we we said it with our mouths. It's, it's ingrained in our hearts because that's what we have come to understand as the biblical truth. When, when, when they brought that tricky question to Jesus for a different purpose entirely, oh, there's a man that died and his wife remarried the brother and the brother died and she also married this one and that one who died and then married this one. When they get to heaven, which of them will he marry? That was the question. <laughs> and, Jesus would, first of all, kind of poke some holes to those stories and let them understand that to start with, they don't marry up there. And then when it comes to the issue of you divorce this one and marry this one or divorce that one and marry that, Moses only permitted that for so and so, for the hardness of your heart. But in the beginning, it was not so. Does that mean that we should encourage people to stay in abusive relationships and all that? No. I think where I'm coming to is, let's now bring this to which part of this story do we have control over? And that's your own story. When we say the church, the church, the church, the church, who are the church? You and I. And so let's bring it back home and let's bring it back to the fact that we are either, those of us on this platform are either young couples or people that will be married at some point, except there are eunuchs and misters and God bless you if you're one. <laughs> but that said, how do I want to ensure that in my own marriage, in your own marriage, if you are in it or when you start, how do you want to ensure, one, that you don't perpetuate such negative cycles as physical abuse? How do you want to ensure that you become the kind of person that someone that is going through that can lean on and receive healthy help from you? How do you want to be the kind of person that by virtue of your presence in a particular community, whether that is a local denomination, a local congregation, a local church, or some other kind of platforms and communities and societies that you might belong to, that your presence there becomes a force that will strengthen other people's marriages. Those are the kind of thoughts and, 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 and aims or goals that I think are within our control to a reasonable extent. They are within our desire to a reasonable extent. Things about, there are very many things that are wrong 
society-wide, worldwide, but many of them are beyond our own scope of influence, so to speak. But let's bring this a little bit back down. One of the questions is, what is the church doing now? Which, again, I'm bringing it back to us to say, what are you doing now? Uh, Ogadari was asking me that, what is God, what could God be saying in all of this? The first answer is, I don't know. But the second answer is, what is God saying to you personally with all of these things that we are saying? Because until we first of all take that individual intentional responsibility for whatever it is that God, when COVID-19 came, when it started, I mean, it started from, ah, this will never happen to Christians to eventually intentionally raising prayer points in church that those of us that have COVID, oh Lord, heal us. <laughs> and of course, eventually we start seeing that it's not genders, I mean, religion selective as to who and who were dying. And so it broke some people's theological nutshells, but that's the reality of life. And so what is it that God could be saying in that kind of a context, in that kind of a situation? And some of us did think about that and maybe even write about that and things like that. Let's do the same with this and first of all ask, what is God saying to you? And that has, that has comfort in our conversation. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for the person that talked about the sacrificial lamb message. I'm, I'm glad for Kingsley that is sharing about God saying to him, how can you love your spouse as God loved the church? Those are the kind of questions that I want us to be asking ourselves. And if you are married, you want to, you want to start seeing that this marriage thing is not something you just walk into anyhow. It's something that you, you understand the pattern, the biblical template. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is blissful. If anybody says it's a sham or is a scam or is, a sham, is in shambles or whatever, let them come and talk to those of us that are enjoying it. Because I can't imagine a better life than when I was single. I'm so glad I'm married. Sorry that I'm saying that if you are not married. I don't mean to pepper you. But I'm praying that in the name of Jesus, you will get married and enjoy your marriage. There is nothing as blissful as it. That's a story for another day. So if anybody is saying something is a scam, that's their reality and their experience. We can't generalize in these matters. You can't speak on behalf of the world for what you have not even experienced or tasted. Because yes, for every Elijah, there are still some 7,000 that have not bowed their feet to bow. So there is that. Someone asks, is this persecution? Um, or maybe that's the way the woman saw it. Again, we don't know, just like Sister Nyenka said. There are still many things about this thing that we don't know. We are just going by, they said, he said, she said, that YouTube channel said, this Facebook video said, the real truth of the whole matter, we don't, we don't really know. And especially things that pertain to what the woman should have given us answers to, and now she's no longer here. We don't know. But I don't imagine, of course, is there such a reality as God humbling someone? I mean, personally, in our Bible study yesterday, we're still talking about Paul's turn in the flesh because of the abundance of revelation that he has. And I won't get into that. But the reality, there is such a reality in the Bible that a man was given, Bible says, God gave Satan, a messenger of Satan, permission to torment this man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he went to God three times, take this stone away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Is that the kind of scenario that is playing out here? Again, we don't know. It took Paul himself to tell us that for us to know. But the woman is not here to say. 
Maybe it was God that gave us some instructions that led to all of this. We don't know. How could God get glory in all of this? We don't know. There are so many sides to it that we just don't know. And lastly, 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 um, how do you balance loving like Christ loved the church and, and, you know, managing offenses and all of those things? The question from Mr. Stephen, we are all works in progress. I think the statement that came to me as you're asking the question is simply the fact that marriage flourishes when both parties are forgivers. Because we're going to offend one another. As, as the Bible is instructing the man to love the wife, as Christ loves the church, is instructing the woman to submit to the husband, is instructing the children to be obedient to their parents, is instructing the fathers to not provoke their children. It's scaffolded all within the same passage, Ephesians 5 down to the beginning of, of chapter 6. Very classic. There is a part for everybody. There is even a part for the servants in the house, the houseboy and the house girl and whatever, and the entrepreneurs and, and their employees. There is a part for each and every one of us. If we are going to live it, if we are going to embody it, if we are going to lean into the grace that makes things work according to how they were meant to work, according to how the manufacturer intended it, we're going to flourish. I wrap up and, 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 and stop there on that point about the manufacturer. Yes, marriage seems to be under attack in the, in the, in the social media space and lots of, it's, it's not just today, it's been going on for, I think Hollywood and Nollywood has a, a part to play in that to the point where people just take relationships as I don't know, they just date serially. I am dating this one today. It's not looking like it's working. I jump on to another person. You have, you've already started setting up a pattern for what your marriage would look like because you've not understood some of the basics and fundamentals. If you don't get that commitment stone set as foundational, that's why some people will not say it to you, let's do us part in their vow, and they won't even know that they've not said it because there is this, a foundation that has been laid of I'm committed to you, you are committed to me, we are becoming one flesh. That's the deal that we are signing up for. And we know that it will come with challenges and we still disagree to tomorrow. It's not a negative prophecy, it's the reality of life. But in spite of those offenses, we forgive one another and we move on. We excuse some things, we overlook some things, and in some other times, we have these difficult, tense conversations that if you come into the room, it will feel like it's 99 degrees centigrade. But then after the conversation, life continues. We'll still eat together, we'll still pray together, we'll still journey on together. There might be a few quiet moments in between, but it is ever so blissful. And that's what I desire that God will help us all to continue to enjoy and experience a marriage that, 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 that is blissful and is possible. Don't mind whatever negative report anybody's bringing. It's possible if we will lean into the manufacturer to help us and take his manual for what he has made and take it seriously. Well, that will help us in Jesus' name. As we wrap up, I would love that we um, just say a word of prayer for that family. The woman's name was Osinachi Unwachuku. So this is the Unwachuku's family. Um, that God 
again, we don't know what he's up to, but we know he's a good, good father. But that's for those that are left behind, especially the children, that God will bring his healing balm, his restoration into that, into that context in ways beyond our wildest dream, in ways beyond what we could visibly or logically see that they need, that God will give them what they truly need. Every child will be touched by the hand of God. None of them will be negatively scarred by this incident. None of them will turn out to be vagabonds in the society because of this incident. The redemption that the death of Jesus that we are commemorating today, the redemption that that death has bought will speak for that family and bring redemption, bring redemption for every member of that family, bring redemption for the man of the house, bring redemption for each of those four kids in the name of Jesus. And let's bring it home and also pray for ourselves that Father God, whatever it is that you are saying to me in, in, the, in using this, this leveraging on this incident, help me to see it, help me to hear it, help me to know it and help me to live by it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Let's bring our prayers to a close. And so God, we are grateful tonight. We thank you because you're a good, good father who made good things. The Bible is clear about the fact that there is no variableness in you. There is no shadow of turning. The Bible is clear about the fact that all good and perfect gifts, they come from you. And marriage is one of those gifts you've given to humanity. It's how two people can become over 7 billion people in the world today. And Lord, we are asking that you that made that institution, make it work for us. Help us to align ourselves to your pattern. Help us to align ourselves to your, to your blueprint. Help us to identify ourselves according to the identities that you have laid down. Help us to see the bliss in, in obeying your word and following your instruction. And help us, oh God, that none of us here shall have that, that, that cycle perpetuated in our experience of abuse in any sense. Give us the grace to be forgiven. Give us the grace to love. Give us the grace to manage offenses. Give us the grace to... To, to love and to submit and to, and, to, and to honor and to be obedient and to ensure we don't provoke and all of those things in all of those roles that we find ourselves in your word. So you be all the glory. And when we meet in two weeks, let's have more things to rejoice about in Christ Jesus and faith in him. Great. Amen. Amen. <laughs>